Well, good morning, and welcome to Lion and Lamb. And if you're here in person, welcome. If you're joining us on live stream, welcome. We're happy to see so many people in person this morning. Well, today's going to be uh, uh, one other thing I'd like to say is I'm giving Kent a break. He's been very busy legally, and I'm I'm Bill Bider. I'm one of the elders, and I've been uh, put into this rotation this month mainly to give Kent a break from his normal rotation because of being extra busy right now in work. But today we're going to be looking at something that is a little different than maybe normal for a Sunday message. We're going to be addressing the topic of grief, and we're going to be looking at that not from the perspective of those who may be grieving right now about something or have recently, recently grieved or actually are anticipating a time of grief. Not for those. This is for the rest of you. This is for those of you who may know someone or will be around someone who is grieving. And today's message is to try to help you recognize grief, to understand it better, and then to do what God would have you to do to help those who are experiencing those kind of struggles. In my 40-plus years of being a Christian, attending uh, church regularly and Sunday school and participating in leadership, I have never been in a church service where this topic was taught. Maybe some of you have. I uh, had conversations with our leadership and, and several other people, uh, and they said the same, that this is something that we all know about, we all have been around, but there has been little, if any, teaching that they have experienced on this topic. I've become, uh, I'm not a trained counselor in grief counseling, but I've learned an awful lot since April when Robin passed away. Not only from my own experience, but from what I've read, from people I've talked to, I have made a point of talking to quite a few other people who have experienced grief. And um, that helps me, but it also has taught me a lot. So with that little bit of intro, let me pray, and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, uh, we know you want us to show love for one another. And many around us need, who are struggling with grief, need that love, your love, to be shown to them through us. We pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds this morning to your truth as to how you might have us Reach out to people who are struggling. Give us the wisdom we need and show us some things here this morning that will help us to reach out in wisdom to help those around us who we know, our family, our friends, our church friends. And so, Lord, uh, teach us this morning and show us that this is your will for your body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, what we're going to start out with is really, before we get into what we have a responsibility to possibly do in this area, we need to look at grief. We need to get a better feel for what grief is. And so what I'm going to do 
is I'm going to step a little bit aside and I am going to show you a series of pictures that I want you to, I'm not even going to say anything. I'm not going to make any commentary on these pictures. These are pictures of grief. These are people who are experiencing some form of grief. And we're going to talk more about what grief is and what causes grief after this. And we're going to even have some words from people that give us a better feel. But we're going to start with pictures. I've got about 10 to 15 pictures, and I think they paint a picture for you to get, gain a better other understanding. I know I went through those quick, but you get an idea from looking at the faces, the expressions. And grief comes to all ages, and it isn't always about loss of a person that we love. Grief can come for other reasons, and we're going to talk more about that in, in a minute. But I'd like to read a few words. Um, I became familiar with something called grief share, oh, just a month or two after Robin passed away. And um, I get a daily email from them, which is really helpful. It is very good. It's biblically based. And it has been uh, helpful to me in a lot of ways. Every day is not that relevant, but most days are in one way or another. And some of these quotes come from there, but some don't. So I'd like to read through some of these. Without you in my arms, I feel an emptiness in my soul. I find myself searching the crowds for your face. I know it's an impossibility, but I cannot help myself. C.S. Lewis actually wrote a book on grief. And he said, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. A lot of you may know who Elizabeth Elliot is. Her husband was killed on the mission field by natives. 
She said, one day, months after my husband died, I was in the grocery store picking up things that I needed, throwing them into my basket, and suddenly I found myself absolutely shaking with sobs. I could not explain it. Grief does strange things to you at times. We all know how spiritually mature Elizabeth Elliot is, and yet that was the effect that she was feeling. Another one. I am thankful for God's eternal promises and comfort, but he said it is not good to be alone. And we became one flesh when we were married. Now I am alone and my flesh has been torn apart and it is not good. Remember, a lot of these quotes, they may be just months, weeks after a loss. I'm not sure. Elizabeth Elliot said hers was months after still having these feelings. Here's a few more. After all the visitors left and the cards and notes stopped coming, I found myself alone nearly all of the time. In the quietness of my home, great sorrow came upon me. Many things trigger intense waves of grief, but not just holidays, birthdays, and anniversaries as I expected. Little things, like putting on a shirt that my wife gave me, or seeing birds on the feeder out the back at the kitchen window or smelling brewing coffee can cause tears to flow. All of my hopes and dreams for our family were crushed by this accident. I feel there is nothing to look forward to anymore. The fact that loss of a loved one has happened to millions of other people does nothing to diminish my grief. That is giving you a feel for the way people feel. Now, grief is almost always caused by loss. And we're going to wait just a minute to define grief a little bit more. But we're going to start with this point, that grief is caused by loss. Some loss, something you appreciated very much that you have lost. It can be a loved one who dies, and that's what you think, think of most of the time. And that's my experience. A loved one dies, the person who may have been your spouse, it can be a child that you had, it can be a sibling, a parent, very good friend. But when that loved one dies, grief sets in. Some other losses that can also cause grief, although most of today will be spent on this first one, the loss of a loved one, there are other things that you can lose that can cause you to grieve. Some are permanent, some are less permanent, but there could still be a period of grief that comes with the loss. Your health could fade. This is more of that gradual kind of thing where you used to be able to do things and you no longer can, and aging, it can be that, it can be a chronic thing, but your health fades and grief may set in. Severe injuries that can totally change your life can cause grief, and that can be lasting. Loss of finances, you may think that's less serious, but it can still cause a period of grief. 
Divorce very much can cause grief similar to the loss of a loved one. You may not only, you may not have wanted to divorce, the person who you have lost, you may still want to be with, but you may have lost other things associated with that divorce. You may have lost family relationships. You may have lost all of those kinds of uh, history that you had with that family, the good times you have lost through divorce. A rebellious child is a type of loss. Again, that may not be permanent, but for a period you may feel, feel grief as a result of the behavior of a rebellious child. Infertility is a different kind of loss. You looked forward to having a family of your own, children of your own, and uh, God just wasn't blessing you in that way and hasn't blessed you, so infertility is a type of loss that can cause grief. Being fired or laid off related to finances, that could cause a degree of grief. Again, that could be more temporary. But one that people may not have ever thought of is a move to a new city can cause you to grief. If you spent 10 or 15, 20 years in one location and you developed all kinds of ties to that location, and maybe you needed to move to a new location for some reason, you have lost all those connections, all, all those things that made you feel comfortable and at peace even in that old city and now you have to start over again. So there, that's an example of, they are examples of things that can cause grief. You could probably think of some others too. Now to a definition of grief. This at least is uh, a combination of maybe a couple definitions that I put together. That grief is an intense emotion to the pain of loss, we already have said that, the result of a connection that has been broken or future dreams now gone. Now that definition doesn't necessarily tie the loss to something you loved, but tying it to love is key because most grief, lasting, intense grief, is tied to the loss of something you loved. And some of those examples we gave, it wasn't just the loss of a loved one. As I said, divorce is an example uh, of, of a loss of a great love as well. But this is a common statement that you may have seen somewhere. You'll, you'll find it all over on the internet. But where there is great grief, there was great love. And interesting enough, I found a quote from Queen Elizabeth that just confirms this whole idea that grief is a price we pay for love. I didn't say this at the beginning, I waited till now, but the fact is, if you have not yet experienced grief that you would consider intense, just wait, because someday you will. Now, there is a rare person who may not but it's probably because they died too young. If you live long enough, you will probably experience intense grief. You, and it really, um, I'll just say it will come. 
Now, I want to emphasize another point, that grief is not these other emotions that you see up on the screen. Grief is not regret or anxiety or worry or discontentment or unhappiness about your circumstances or confusion or frustration. That's not grief. Now, grief can trigger these. Grief can make you vulnerable to these. Grief can make you even sin in ways that some of these things could constitute sin. I'll give you, I'm going to try to avoid talking too much about myself, but I want to at least here bring up one. The first one, regret. Regret was not my grief, but regret came in my grief. And I want to just give you a couple examples of what I mean. Think about if you lost the person you love the most right now. Think about it if it happened in the near future. Think about all the things that you wish that you had said or not said to that person. Think about the things that you wish you would have done that that person wanted to do, but you just weren't ready to do it. I'll bring up the example with Robin. She bugged me for 10 or 15 years to take her to a tropical island or somewhere where there's this blue water, calm and it's clear and you can walk out in it, you can see your feet or you can see some animals or fish. I kept putting her off. I never did it. And there's some other ones like that. But a lot of regrets are things you said or didn't say. That's the one that creeped into me and it won't go away. You know, I, I continue to think about these. And yes, I turn to God every single day. But you know what? It creeps back. I wished I would have done this. I wish we would have taken these things. But it can cause other things. It can cause anxiety or worry. It can cause discontentment. These things may come in while you're suffering grief. But I want to say this, grief, even though we're saying it will happen to us all, it isn't a disorder, it's not a disease, and it's not a sign of weakness. Let's look at at least two examples of, uh, in the Bible where we see grieving. Jesus wept. We know that when Lazarus died, Jesus delayed going to Bethany to see him. But when he arrived and he was already dead, he saw his sisters, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, weeping and mourning, and he wept also. Abraham, when his wife Sarah died, he mourned. He went into her tent and he wept. These are just two examples. And I, I just want to uh, go beyond this because we're going to get into now the practical aspects of this. But it is okay to weep. We need God to help us avoid letting our time of grief translate into some of these other problems. So we're going to shift gears now. That's all really background about grief. And now it's time for us to start talking about what it is we, as the body of Christ, can do to help people who are in this situation. 
First thing we got to do, though, is we got to recognize that circumstances and personalities differ. What is best for one is not always best for another. Here's a few factors that could influence that. The age of the affected people or person who is grieving. Are there other family relationships that exist and are there daily that that person has to help them? What kind of network of friends does the person have? Are there other life challenges and responsibilities that are going on in that person's life? And what is the permanence of the grief? The way we respond to somebody may relate a whole lot to whether what they're grieving about is permanent or is it something that will really fade away. And so the way we respond to them, work with them, will have it, that will influence that. The strength of faith of the person matters too. Is the person a believer first of all? And how strong is their faith? How mature is their faith? Do they know God's promises? But being a Christian will not shield us from grief, but it helps us work through it. It helps us as we're in that deep valley to cope, to feel a degree of peace. And, and we are going to talk about some Bible verses that we should or should not use. Now, if you've been around Lion and Lamb very long, this is probably going to be two years this winter we had a Sunday school series that was about how we serve one another. And all of these things you see on the screen right now relate to what we call the one another passages that we talked about in that Sunday school series. There's a lot of them. When you look at this list up here, I won't read through them all, your handout does have on it a list of the Bible verses for the one another passages. And you probably should take a look at that at some point because every one of them relates to how we show our love for one another, how we serve our one, one another. But you know what? We went through a whole Sunday school series where we talked about a lot of these and, never, and we talked about how they relate to a lot of the needs within the body. But we never once mentioned that they relate to how we should talk to people, help people, reach out to people who are grieving. We missed it. If you notice, love and serve are red on the corners, highlighted. They are probably as important as any. Now, every one of these is not relevant to what we're talking about this morning, but as I thought through this, all of these are relevant to reaching out to people who are, in, who are grieving in one way or another. So a whole lot of what God's word tells us in terms of how we do for one another relate to these, these one another passages relate to that. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Grief is a burden. I'm highlighting that one on here. But one that is not a one another passage that I also want to highlight is James 1, because this fits the overall encouragement 
that I'm trying to give you today, and that is be a doer of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. All of one another passages are do this, do this, do this for one another. And James emphasized, will be a doer, not just a hearer. Okay, we have a tendency as Christians to immediately try to find a Bible verse or a paraphrase of a Bible verse to address a need that we perceive. You know, we all do. We'll put it in a card. We'll even say it in person. We'll put it in a text or a note. But what I'm saying right now is when a person is early into an intense period of grief, be very careful about what Bible verses you choose to throw their way. There are some that I'm going to come to in a little while that I say these are safe all the time. But there are others that hurt. And I have a few paraphrases on this slide to give you examples of ones that could really hurt. He is in a better place with the Lord. You know, these are paraphrased because that's the way it typically will come to you. you it will come in a paraphrase. Some will actually write the exact wording. God has wiped away her tears and her pain. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweigh them all. These are all true. It's just, is the timing right? Think about the timing. You can look forward to joining him in heaven someday. God is in control. He uses all things for good if we trust him. Again, true, yes. Think about timing. Pray for wisdom. Pray for what can bring comfort when the pain is the greatest. Okay, um, if, if you were in Sunday school this morning you, from Chris, you heard a little bit about Job. I'm going to throw a little bit of Job in here. You know, we all know Job was a person who was blameless, righteous, and God allowed suffering into his life. Intense suffering and grief. He grieved the losses that he incurred, which was family, property, everything. Well, we have an example, two examples, a, a better example and a not so good example in Job. At the beginning, we remember the not so good part about his friends, but we don't remember this part so much. In chapter 2, verse 13, it's, his friends came to him. It says, so they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Think about that. At the beginning, they recognized just being present, being with the person who was suffering was good. That's seven days. That's, a, that's patience. That's a long time. But their patience ran out. They became insensitive and self-righteous. 
in the comments that they made to Job. And then what did they say? Things that made him not feel good about what he went through. And here's what Job said. I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are all of you. You all. So I say this just to be careful. There's, and I, I, I think we'll have some commentary in a second on this a little bit further. Here's a few more don'ts. I've got a lot of lists here, and I'm sorry for this, but the bottom line is there's a lot of things I wanted to say, and I could have read them or I could put them on the screen. You notice I don't have any notes, so I'm depending on my slides, so apologize for that, but that's why there is as much information on the slides as there is. But I think they're all relatively important for us to see. But I have a list of don'ts, and then I'm gonna go to the do's. Don't say, at least you have other children or family. Don't remind a person to be thankful for the time God gave him or her with the deceased person. Don't ask the common greeting, especially soon after, how are you? You know how many times I heard that? Don't try to help the new relation, with new relationships to replace the lost person. Don't talk about yourself or your losses unless asked. Now, I want to tell you that I went and asked a bunch of people that I talked to. I wanted to hear their story. And there was one or two guys that lost a wife, including one in our church that I spent time with, a neighbor who lost a wife. And at first, they got it. They were letting me talk, but I turned it to them. I wanted to hear their story. So if the person turns it to you, if you have something to, sh to share, do it, but don't talk about your losses until you think that person is ready to hear it. Don't give advice on how to cope or get over it. Or don't plan a guilt trip on somebody saying, well, your spouse would really not want you to be grieving like this and wanting you to go out and enjoy yourself and move on. Don't plan a guilt trip. Don't judge or comment on someone's progress on getting over grief. It, some people seem to get over it a lot quicker than others. And don't try to cheer them up. Let them grieve. Let them work through it. Now, things we can do that will be helpful always, always pray. And I appreciate the prayers of our church for me and my family. I, I know you are praying and it matters. It, it matters to know it. So it's okay to tell a person you're praying for them. And pray for yourself. Pray for yourself for discernment if you're close to someone who is grieving, you need to be praying about how you should be interacting with that person. Pray about whether to give them space or draw near to them. And listen more than talk. Think of Job's friends. Be willing to just be there, sometimes a lot. But again, give them space if they want you to be there. Don't be afraid to mention the deceased person's name. 
That's important. If we're Christian and the deceased person died, that person still exists. That person's in heaven. That person hasn't disappeared and been annihilated. Send texts, cards, emails, call, whatever the person seems to prefer, and not just one time. Keep it going. Grief doesn't end in a month. It is good to hear from people and do things. Don't just say, let me know if you need anything. Try to be observant and see if there is a need and just do it. Now, don't intrude into their space. Be wise. Pray about it. Try to understand what you might be able to do to help. Here's where, and now we can say we're going to be a doer. Well, we've got to be flexible, patient, and discerning as we are a doer, trying to do some of these things. We need to ask people to participate, whether it's meals, golf, other games, social events. But don't be offended if the person says no, even says no multiple times, because they may not be ready. But keep asking. Don't stop. Don't stop making the opportunities available. And understand that a person may still be very uncomfortable in certain social settings without their loved one. You know, I can say, me, everything I did for nearly 40 years was couples. And going to things that's all couples alone is hard. It really is. Not only are you thinking about the fact that your spouse is not there with you, but it's, you know, a little awkward at times, too. But there's other things. If you lost a child, let's say you lost a child who was on the basketball team in a car wreck. How comfortable are you going to be going to the basketball game? I mean, there's other things you could think of. So some of these social settings are not going to be very comfortable for the person experiencing grief from the loss of a loved one. Don't criticize failures for the grieving people to get things done. You know, it could be responsibilities they have and something that affects you even, but it could just be their own home. You're seeing something crumble. They're not getting something done or... They're not mowing the lawn. They're not doing this or that. Um, sometimes use wisdom and maybe just show up and do things. But if you do drop by unannounced, be sensitive and not offended if they don't seem ready for you. You may show up and you just have to um, sense whether they wanted you there. Sometimes they're going to welcome you. They're going to be happy you showed up. Other times you're going to be able to tell they don't want you there right now. And be flexible. Leave, but don't give up. Now, there are long-term considerations to this, too. Grief is not something that you go through the phases and stages and it's over. You know, th there's something they call firsts. When firsts come up following a loss, you can trigger another period of grief. So a first could be a year or two down the road. 
There could be other things that trigger it. So just recognize that the people you're reaching out to may not get over it real fast. Now gradually move towards conversations to related to faith and biblical promises. You'll see a few verses in a, in a couple more slides that I'm going to hit you with that I think are safe, like I said earlier. But there are other areas, biblical doctrine, that whether they're promises, really welcome promises, things about sovereignty, eternity, just be sensitive as to when that person seems ready for that information. Don't be afraid over long term to continue to share your memories of the deceased person. Say their name. Talk about the joyful memories you had with them and your thankfulness for things that you did with that person who isn't here now. Consider activities that would be comfortable for those who have grieved. And that comes back again to what kind of social activities may be best for that person as time goes on. And renewed grief can come on after years. So let's say a person seemed like they got over it. Then all of a sudden, that person disappeared from the scene. Let's say it's six, eight months, they seem to get over their grief. They're doing everything normally. After 12 or 14 months, you don't see them. Know that grief can come back into their lives and have an impact later. The loneliness factor. Loneliness will strike nearly everyone who grieves. Widows, widowers, if you lost a child, parents. If you have severe in injuries or disease, if even things like the move and the lost job. Um, loneliness comes into play. And we should recognize that loneliness is a major part of what a grieving person feels. Uh, John Piper from Desiring God said, fellowship is a mutual bond that Christians have with Christ that puts us in a deep, eternal relationship with one another. Now, this means all Christians have this bond. There's even a deeper bond with a spouse, a child, a parent, a sibling. Even if that deep bond is broken temporarily, and we know it because God promises we're going to re be reunited with those loved ones, there is a period of pain and grief during the breaking of that deep bond. And some of that goes on between all of you with one another who aren't your immediate family. If there is a loss of a person in our church who we love, this happens. That bond is broken. That deep, eternal relationship is temporarily broken, and it does cause some problem. But loneliness is there. Okay, the safe Bible verses. There's a lot of them up there. But the ones that I think are safe, even early on, although still try to use wisdom. But what I would consider safe are those verses that talk about drawing near to God, trusting him, finding love and rest in him. Let me just read a couple of these, okay? I'm going to look at, turn around at this screen. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near together to God with the grieving person. 
Psalm 9:10, and those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. 32:10, steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. 34:18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And then Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he causes grief, he will have compassion accordance to the abundance of his steadfast love. God is sovereign. He allows this grief into our lives. He doesn't shield us with it. He allows us to walk through this valley. And if you were here about two months ago when I taught on the call to be holy, I talked about how suffering does prove beneficial and valuable to us to move towards holiness. God allows grief in our lives because he will show us compassion through it and it will draw us closer to him and closer to being holy as he calls us to be. Back to this list. I'm not going to read through them again. I'm just going to encourage you to look at this list that is on your handout. Look at those. Think about how they may play out in your life to reach out to someone who is grieving. And really, in summary, you can make a difference in the life of somebody who is grieving. Whether it is a meal, a social activity that they are ready for, whether it is a hug, whether it is just sitting with your friend. Here's some other examples of how someone is reaching out to someone that is grieving. So, I think that's probably all that I'm going to say on it, but I want us all to stand, if you would, right now. And what I have done is I have taken some of those commands and I've personalized them that I'm going to ask us to read through these. And as you read them, would you please... Try to make them real in your life. The passages that these come from are shown on there, but every one of them now is a way to personalize it and make a commitment to do what we are called to do in the one another passages. So let's read together. I will bear the burdens of others who grieve and so fulfill the law of Christ. I will not grow weary of doing good for in due season I will reap if I do not give up. I will comfort others in need and endeavor to build them up. I will show hospitality to others without grumbling. I will pray for those who grieve due to loss. I will love others sacrificially just as you have loved me. Dear Lord, thank you for um, your word that guides us in how to just reach out to one another and to be the kinds of people you want us to be, that your body has, uh, is called to love one another 
And we can show love through so many of these ways that you show us in your word. Help us to be the, those people, Lord. And we pray for strength and wisdom as we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.